Hey, it's Pete. A familiar voice, hopefully. Uh, anyway, I want to take a quick moment to highlight the amazing work of the team here at Your Money Line. A few years ago, we noticed this weird, nasty trend that people had financial questions, they had challenges, they had this missing piece to their financial puzzle, and they weren't getting the answers. So then they get stuck, they get paralyzed, and they wouldn't take action, and their financial life would meander and loiter in a bad place. So that's why we created this place. Uh, we have an employee benefit company, and it's called Your Money Line, and that's what it does. We help companies succeed by improving the financial lives of their most valuable asset. Not their break room, their employees. Everything we talk about is confidential. And you get access to a certified financial expert to get all your money questions answered, big or small. That's your money line. So bring your money line to your company. Check us out at yourmoneyline.com or any of the social networks you happened to deal with on a regular basis. Good day to you. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. That's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. I'll read the email, make some witty comments about it, and then I'll do my best to answer it. But fortunately for you and for me, it's not just me. I welcome the Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line, Damian Dunn, who joins me in studio, in person. I can see him. I could touch him. Right now. Hey, Dame. Hi, Pete. How are you? Good day. Good day. I'm turning your mic up a little bit so in the comments we don't get, Damien softer than you. And I'm like, oh, he certainly yeah. is. Dame, I've got the email of the year to read you. Uh, not right now. At the beginning of the next segment. Okay. It is only 19 days into the new year, so it doesn't take a lot to have email of the year. And it is, in fact, email of the year. So you're, so you're talking to this point, not for... The rest of the year. It's hard to say. Dear Pete, this is not the email of the year. What retirement planning advice would you give to a working married couple, no children, with 10 plus year age difference? Husband is 50 and wife is the older spouse. Husband would like to retire at age 55 to 60 to have as much time together while both relatively young and able. Appreciate your insight and feedback. Can provide more details as necessary, as needed. Thank you, person's name. All right, I like this. I don't feel like we've tackled this one in a while, so let's tackle away. Do you need to know anything? I mean, nothing more than the core stuff that we would usually look at. I mean, what do they have saved for retirement up to this point? What are their expenses? Uh, how realistic is retiring at 55 uh, versus his wife at uh, potentially... 65, 10-ish years difference in, in retirement. Um, some, some information would go a long way, but I think the concepts we can discuss. 10 years. So uh, when someone tries to retire at 55 or 60, a younger person, there's, a, there's, a, there's some major problems that you got to get out of the way. Number one, they don't have access to Social Security retirement benefits. Correct whether it's theirs or they choose the spousal benefit to take on. Uh, let's say, for instance, the wife who's older makes more money. Let, let's say she makes a ton of money and has for a very long time compared to the husband who is younger and doesn't make much money, hypothetically. You know, if this person were to take the spousal benefit at 62 or 60, whatever, um, 
then that's one way to create retirement income. But Dame, when you take it at 55 or 60, there is no taking it at 55 or 60. You're retiring with no retirement income stream from Social Security. Correct. And that's a huge issue, especially if the majority of your assets are tied up inside of qualified accounts. Which brings us to problem number two. Uh, problem number two is unless you're the magical dumb age of 59 and a half, or you want to do, was it rule, is it 55T? 72T. 52T. 55T. Well, I guess it's at 55. Yeah. So, so what happened to me? 72T. <laughs> then you aren't going to be able to really access those those assets. And Dame, I would argue any big, bold statement alert. I'm, I'm waiting. Gonna, I'm going to regret this. Anyone that chooses to employ 72T, I feel like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of a bad idea. Mm. Because you're 55, you say, I don't have access to the assets I want to have access to until I'm 59 and a half. Therefore, I'm going to draw on those assets now. Unless that's a big chunk of money that's in your qualified account, I would argue that 72T very rarely makes any sense at all. Yeah, as a standalone decision on a 72T, um, oh boy, you're, you're playing with fire. But if there are other circumstances outside of that pile of money you've got that you're going to start drawing on, uh, maybe there's uh, an inheritance. Uh, and we always say don't count on inheritance or, or don't plan your future on based on our inheritance. But um, there are ways that that could make it a more reasonable decision. However, I'm not a huge fan of it. No, I'm, I'm definitely not a huge fan of it. And what's weird is, is giving advice in the public for the last 10 years or so, uh, from time to time, I'll give an answer and then I'll inevitably get an email from an advisor, like, you forgot 72T. And it's like, no, I didn't forget 72T. I just chose not to yeah. to say it. Sure. Right? Yeah. I, it's, it's an option that's out there. That doesn't mean it's a great option for almost anybody. So to specifically answer this question... The first two things we worry about are you will not have retirement income from Social Security benefits, a uh, younger person, younger man. And that person likely shouldn't take the 72T option, which is to activate their qualified investments prior to 59 and a half. So in that light, there's some trouble. Dame, there's a third problem. And uh, what is it? Uh, healthcare is going to be... A significant issue. How did I forget that? I don't know. I thought that's where you were going to go with number one. Well, you, that's funny. Uh, you gave me the, the number three on your hand, and I thought, well, I've covered it all. And then <laughs> thought, I just was like on a whim. I was like, fine, let's humor that guy. And then you hit me with the thing that I can't believe I forgot. Yeah, healthcare. Uh, I, I don't oh, know. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you know, but as you get older, healthcare gets a little bit more expensive. And pulling the cord and, and getting out of uh, your job, which presumably offers you some kind of healthcare benefit, uh, that is a gigantic expense that you are going to have to try and figure out how to come up with some money. How, how much value do you place on this idea of, and I mean, pr practically here, I mean, like real value, do you place on I, we want to be retired together while we are still young-ish and able to enjoy each other. Because that is, in fact, a thought and a feeling and probably a popular one. But how much validity does it have when it comes to shaping your finances uh, around it uh, in the now? 
depends on how much of your future you're willing to sacrifice. Right, because that's that's what ends up not only do you sacrifice the future, but it's not like oh, oh we're going to have a lesser retirement when we're in our eighties. You're talking about if you do it the wrong way, you have no retirement. I mean, you run out of money. Yeah, I, this to orchestrate something like this, you have to put in a tremendous amount of planning and potential sacrifice up front to make sure that there are assets for the younger spouse after presumably the first person moves into post-retirement. Although I would say women tend to outlive men, so th- this couple specifically has more of a chance yeah. to... It's like about what, four years, roughly, is the, the age gap. So, yeah. so six, six years potentially on average on, on your own for the, the younger uh, gentleman in, in the uh, relationship here. I, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that there are a ton of considerations that need to uh, be accounted for before you decide this is this is for us. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a really good point. I think sometimes, even with this email, the person is looking, conceptually, can we get away with this? And I would say, conceptually, no, you can't unless you go to a financial planner who will map this out for you and can map this out for you but then the most important part comes, Dame, and that is you must follow exactly what the financial planner says. Yeah. I, if you're going to seek out advice, you would do well to actually follow through on the advice. I, I that could it, be an entire show, by yeah, the way. I, I, for this particular situation, I um, empathize with the, the desire there. If you pull the, pull the cord on the full-time job, I think a part-time job might make a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, you don't really want to spend that much time with your spouse. Or maybe a, maybe a, maybe self-employment. Maybe you can come up with, with some kind of you know, the, the vaunted consulting gig. <laughs> it's funny. We, I had a segment planned for today. It was sort of about that. It's like, oh, how about a second, time, a second job being starting a business? Mm-hmm. And I think that's great if you know what you're doing mm-hmm. and you have a plan. But if you don't, it's a horrible idea. Dame, coming up after the break, the best email of the year by far. All that's on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner Show. Dame, I teased it, which is in the radio biz what they call a tease. The email of the year. Before we do that, though, I would like to say uh, I am dismayed by the cancellation of the uh, Query and Schultz uh, radio show. Uh, if this show is based, our show that you're listening to right now is based out of Central Indiana, and uh, Query and Schultz do a great sports did a great sports talk radio show on WNDE, a competing station to this one. Um, oftentimes media figures uh, are in the communities of which they live and they try to entrench themselves and intertwine themselves like a shredded wheat biscuit in the fabric of society. And they do a moderate job of doing so. But Query and Schultz made a huge difference in our community with how much money they raised for various causes. I mean, just wildly different causes. So iHeartRadio canceled them this week with several other personalities across the nation, which I think is a giant mistake because Query and Schultz are very talented guys. So our condolences, I guess, to them, I don't even know what to say other than it really stinks and I hate to see it. 
I, uh, I I never got a chance to really listen to their show since I'm a Northern Indiana guy. However, I do see their their comments and their interaction, and I've I've seen how you go back and forth with some of them on on Twitter a sure. little bit. And I, it seems like it would would have been a show that I would have really enjoyed. Just reading some of the comments and saying it's a sports show, kinda, but it was more about being uh, in the moment or uh, just kind of a a friend to sure. to somebody else. So. Uh, I, I'm disappointed I didn't get to participate in the show, and I, I hope they get a chance to come back somewhere else. The, the harsh reality is when you are a media figure, uh, frankly, such as myself, uh, you will be canceled. This show will be canceled someday. My radio column from the Indie Star was canceled, despite the fact that it lives on in USA Today and IBJ and other places. It's the harsh reality. Like At some point in time, I will feel what they felt, uh, and uh, you, you grow to accept it, but it still stinks. All right, Dame, uh, email of the year. Here it is. It's from a, la- a lady by the name of Elaine. Dear Pete, I tried listening to your show. It's boring. <laughs> Elaine. That's What? Yeah. Dame, I can be accused of a lot of things. I mean, I can. people can be like, you're pudgy. Uh, people could look at me and they say, um, you don't have good facial hair. People could look at me and say... Uh, you're not very smart. People could look at me and say, you waste time. People could look at me and say, you're gross. People well, could look at me and say, you're a poor father or husband. I am not boring. Only like 80% of those were true that you just... No, all of those are true. Uh, they could be argued as true. I am. This is, show is not boring. It is anything but boring. Is it factual? Sometimes. Usually. Is it about money? Sometimes. Yeah. Is it boring? No, it's not boring. So, Elaine... I, I, I replied, thank you? <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> Why would you take the time to send someone an email that's just hateful? I, no. Like, she signed it. She's, like, got a Gmail account with her picture. It's a middle-aged woman. Well, you know, I'm sure Elaine's opinion really matters to somebody. Well, Elaine, you have poor taste. How about that? There you go. Right, here's a real email. Uh, Dear Pete, should I tent or not? I think he means rent. <laughs> <laughs> Because the R not. and the T are right next to each other on a keyboard. It's I'm true. looking at it right now. Should I tent or not? You know what? By the end of this email, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read as is. You need to help me decide whether he meant tent or rent. Maybe tenting is the better option for this person. Which is the third. There's uh, owning, renting. And tenting. And tenting. <laughs> I, think, I, think there's, I think there's a book here. Uh, you know, are we going to talk about that horrendous PR email that I forwarded you this week about mattresses? <laughs> maybe maybe we'll do that we, before we might be able to it was the most tone deaf weird pr pitch i've received in 10 years i went and spent way too much time on their website <laughs> trying to figure out what they were about should i tent or not i owe 40k in credit card debt actually you know what i told you i'm going to read this as is so i'm reading this as is <laughs> okay i owe 40k in credit credit debt <laughs> I owe 32K on my truck. I owe 22K on a loan. I owe 36K on a RV. I have a house that is not selling, so paying three lots of rent, $1,500 plus, $1,200 plus, $500. My house I am trying to sell, should I rent it out till it sells? Put $1,500 on credit cards, sell truck, sell RV. Thanks be to God, I just landed a super paging job. The house for sale is costing me money. 
fifteen hundred, plus two fifty hydro, plus two fifty insurance. I can make a basement suite in it for an extra thousand dollars. Oh my! In a financial bind, any suggestions? I'm not making fun of the person that's in the financial bind. I just have never read an email like this. And and look, and the thing is, yes, I have laughter in my voice, and I'm somewhat regretful of that. All right, here's here's the deal. They're in a um, bit of a cash crunch at this point. Sure. Trying to figure out... Shitty tent. Shitty tent. Uh, maybe. Uh, but so we've got there's some, a lot to be learned we, we, here. We've got a lot to be learned. That's exactly right. There's, there are some uh, outstanding uh, debts that I'm sure this person probably wishes they didn't have at this point, which is why they're asking, uh, should they sell the truck or the RV? Um, yes, and, yes. And, and there were a couple other things that go in there. But, you know, I mean, the answer, the easy answer is yes. However, RVs depreciate like crazy. I don't think you can rent a house you're trying to sell. I don't think you can rent a home that's on the market. Or who would buy, who would rent a home that is attempting to be sold? I, I, I just yeah, skipped I, past what you said, but everything you said is right. Yeah, so I, I, I would love to see, we'll come back to that. I, I would love to see, to try and get, see him trying to get out of, underneath some of these obligations. RV. RV. Buy. Gone. If if that's at all possible, yeah, absolutely gone. Truck, Truck too. If you can pull that off and you can sell it for anything more than what it's worth or maybe even exactly what it's worth, depending on what your situation is, yeah, get rid of it. I mean, but forty k on a credit credit debt and then $22,000 on a loan, that's $62,000 of unsecured debt, assuming yeah. the, that the loan is unsecured, which... Yeah, and so then the, the next job becomes, or maybe even job one, hope he doesn't have a Ford truck. Um, you got to figure out where your cash is going because you've got some some habits in there and what I would assume to be habits, not just maybe some some bad luck that happened on a one-off case to accrue some of that debt. Um, if you can't figure out how to get your spending in line with what your goals are and, and where you want to end up, then that's that's the issue. How does someone get in this situation? And we see it all the time. And again, I was sort of giggling at first just because of how the, the email was written. But I'm not making light of the person's situation. Dave, how does someone get in that situation? A number of ways. I mean, they, they maybe sold a payment that, that fits into what they perceive their, their um, financial situation to be. That's true. And that's just not the case. RVs, I mean, I could see that happen with RVs and trucks. Easy. Because... Man, they say, gosh, you can get this $40,000 RV for 275 bucks a month. Doesn't it sound like they're also in some sort of mobile or modular home? Possibly. If you say lots, I tend to think, and you refer them to the way the guy did. Yeah, I, I'm... Possibly. I, I don't know if I want to dig quite that far into sure. to, um, the email just because of the way it's structured. Oh, he did say basement, though. He, he did say basement, so that's going to be yeah. really tough or really fancy. <laughs> it's a really fancy yeah. So I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think the way someone gets into this is they start looking at payments. The loan payment's this. The truck payment's this. The RV payment's that. I would also uh, tell you that this person had a major change of income. They didn't yeah. say that necessarily. But the fact that he's saying he has a, a good paying job coming mm-hmm. means that at one point he did, yeah. then he didn't, now he will again. Sure. 
Simplify your life, man. Obligations uh, make it harder. That's a tough one. And, you know, there's, there's two sides to that lever. Debts and then income on the other side as well. Coming up after the break, more of these questions. I'm Pete the Planner. And this is the Pete the Planner Show. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Dame. So we never came to the conclusion. Was the guy trying to say tent or rent? I would guess rent, but I do think tenting is a viable option at this point, especially depending on the climate. Uh, Dame, last week's show, you made a funny joke, and I didn't laugh at it when you made it. (laughs) And then I was listening back to the show, and I laughed aloud, and I wanted to tell you that. I appreciate that. And now it is preserved for posterity forever. All right, Dame. So I've received an email from a person uh, twice, similar email. I didn't reply. Okay. It happens. And the person brings up a really provocative idea that I, I'm going to read the email, and then you and I are going to react to this. Okay. Um, dear Pete, I am no financial advisor, but I am just a tad bit obsessive about mapping our household's net worth. Great. Awesome. This month, I made a significant change to my spreadsheet that might be helpful to your followers. Uh, followers like, like Jesus Christ. And Elaine. Elaine. Oh, the person for the, who said that our show is terrible. Yeah. Well, she's not listening at this point because uh. it's boring. Maybe she'll like this segment, though. She might. After Hey, Elaine, if you're listening right now, just turn us off. <laughs> I don't need you. After paying the remainder of our daughter's college expenses, my husband and I felt great pride and our ability to get our two kids through private universities without saddling them with college debt. We both work for nonprofits, so this was a big achievement. Hmm. It was a milestone that caused us to reassess our family's financial picture. That's when it hit me. For all of our acquired wealth, nothing, nothing is more valuable to us than our two children. By some miracle, we managed to raise kind, intelligent, and independent young adults. That's when I typed their names into my assets column on my spreadsheet. The investments we've made in our children have made us richer. I don't mean rich in a monetary sense. Our lives and theirs benefit from accumulated experiences, memories, and healthy relationships. So now their names top my list of assets positioned before our home and retirement account balances as a reminder of their worth and a reflection of the fruitful investments we've made throughout their young lives. If not for the cost of child rearing, which is raising children, Hmm. and college, we might boast of a much longer list of assets, perhaps one that includes a sailboat or a beach home. However, we wouldn't trade those things for the love and pride we share for these young adults. It's easy to get caught up in financial score keep. I feel like I need a soft, like easy listening track behind this. I feel like Casey Case. We, we can add it later. It's easy to get caught up in financial score keeping <laughs> because tracking our finances provide a tangible measure of our life's work and gives us the illusion of control over our destiny. During this season, when we tend to take inventory and set new goals for the coming year, each of us should reflect upon what we truly value. Doing so made me realize that we are rich beyond measure. Thank you for reading this, Cindy. All right, it's interesting. I mean, it's certainly provocative. Dame, listing your children as assets on your balance sheet. What say you, my bald friend? 
No, no, I, I wouldn't list it. However, that doesn't mean I am totally discounting what the, the gist of Cindy's message. I, I think there is a wide um, consideration. I've used that word like five times today. I apologize. You know what? I've been saying the word wild a lot. Really? Uh, it, it's been in the last week. I'll go, that's wild. And I've said it. And it's and I'm like I'm cringing now yeah. every time I say it, I'm like it's wild and I'm like I think my wife picked up on it but she hasn't said it yet but she knows something's weird uh, anyway so anyway consideration. yeah I, I think I think it's a concept that that needs to really be um, pondered on by everybody that that your experiences are much more than just your net worth statement there are. Um, a whole bunch of intangibles that you can experience, whether it's with um, family, whether it's with friends, or just you know solo experiences, whatever it may be. Those are valuable as well. However, that's not what a net worth statement is being used for. I, I agree. I, I also, before I make my comments on this, I would like to say that uh, one of the great learnings in life for me has been how little I know. Like I, I feel like the older I get, the less sure of things that I've always been so sure about. So while I don't think listing your children on your net worth statement makes a lot of sense, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe I don't have grown children. I don't have grown, grown children that I'd feel that way. But I would say from a technical aspect, listing something you wouldn't plan on liquidating uh, or selling in some capacity is not a good idea on a net worth statement. So let's take some other examples of that. You know, sometimes people put jewelry on mm -hmm. a net worth statement, including a person's engagement ring. Now, while I have certain thoughts and separate thoughts on engagement rings, listing them on an asset statement of any sort doesn't make sense because if I sold my wife's engagement ring, that's a problem. Yeah, you're probably going to lose a lot more of the assets you've got listed on your balance sheet if you've come to that stage. I don't mind people listing art as long as there's a market for it. Mm -hmm. um, collectibles, I, I, I don't know. People sometimes will list a fairly uh, a family heirloom of some sort. and uh, But then again, if you're not going to sell it, if you're not going to go on, uh, what is it, Antique Roadshow mm -hmm. and sell it, then it's not, a, it's not really an asset worth listing. There's a value there for insurance purposes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a good point. You can list assets on different statements. Mm -hmm. But on, in calculating your net worth, by the way, how much are her kids worth? Like, what's the dollar amount? It probably depends if they have blonde hair. You know, oh, my gosh. I, I'm sorry. Wow. I don't know. That's awkward. Um, yeah. Like, how... I, now, I, now I am confused for a second. It's an interesting concept. I, I, again, it's not a matter of me disagreeing with the idea. But if you're going to list them on your net worth statement, which is a statement based on numbers and subtraction, oddly enough, how what do you, what do, you do? Just like value of their education and like out of vacation I, I am going to Just surmise me. that Cindy is using them as a reminder okay. uh, to, uh, of these are things that we value. And there's probably no... Um, dollar worth ascribed to them because they're priceless. Yeah. Um, but, but and, I, and I get it. I mean, she's putting them up there to remind herself that there are things more valuable in her life other than the 401k, the 409k balance or the 401k balance. No, it's back to 401k now. Is it? I believe so. Unless the government chooses I to change it. Okay. No. Uh, that would be, that'd be the best troll ever if the IRS you know changed the code to 409k. 
I wouldn't put it past what we got going on right now. I wouldn't either. Um, but I, I think I see the motivation behind what she's doing. Sure. Um, it's a nice thought. It, it, it is a, a very nice thought. Um, but I think by the fact that she's trying to put an economic value on it, in itself proves her point the other way. I don't know that she's trying to. No, but I, but what she's saying is, I need, for me, I want to put this on my balance sheet so I remember what's important. But by equating what's important to mm. you with money, y- you're going against what you think. Yeah. Like if it is invaluable, if it is the most important thing, then it doesn't compare with your mortgage at your rental property or your IRA. You, you can't put them next to each other. Yeah. I'll just say this. I mean, you and I obviously talk to people about this all the time, but net worth is a very important measure uh, of growth through the course of a year. Um, And I I love this concept that Cindy sent us. I mean, it's really interesting because it really, it does remind you that, you know, we're not trying to keep score on our lives of what we have and and don't have. Uh, But at the same time, the best way to prove it is to not combine the two. And, and that's just my opinion. But again, uh, I think Cindy's lived more life than me. That's not a rude way of saying she's older than me, but she does have grown children. I want to know what those kids are worth for her power percentage. That's a good point. You know, I had a, years ago, we don't have much time left in this segment, but years ago I had this, um, this client. I, I, I remember the lady well. I don't remember her name. I remember what she looked like. And, and she was in my office. This is a long time ago. And they were struggling. And she was like, I want to go on a vacation. And I was like, well, you can go on a vacation if you want. You just can't afford it. You're going to go into debt. And she was like, you know, you can't put a price on memories. And I was like, well, that is true. However, you can, and this is what your vacation would cost. Anyway, Dame, coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and the news. This is an interesting show this week. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is... Dan, before I get there, uh, I have a Navy SEAL story for you. I'm so glad you made that transition instead of saying the Navy SEALs were a biggest waste of money of the week. No, 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 no. Okay. So I was in San Diego this week, and oh, I was sure. speaking on Coronado, yeah. right? So they train in Coronado. So uh, leaving the hotel, I was in a hurry and not feeling the best about my food choices. Uh, so I grabbed a coffee and a donut. And I, and I got in my Uber, and I would just hold my coffee. And my plan was to eat my donut when I got to my location. So we're driving on Cor- the bridge, like going across Coronado or whatever. And, and then I'm like, it's rude to eat inside of an Uber. But I was like, oh, I just want a bite of this donut. Right? Sure. I want to put this in my face hole. <laughs> and I, and I, as I reach in the bag to grab some donut, to pinch off some donut, to place in between my lips, I look over to the right <laughs> And training in the surf is like a team of SEALs. Nice. Navy SEALs in the surf, like like a movie. It's like they're there, and it's just like, and I just put the donut back into the back, <laughs> and I threw it away when I got to the hotel. I just felt so weak. It was bad. Oh, man. I, it was cool to see, though, man. I, I It was it's crazy. It's wild. It's wild. Those seals. Those seals would have taken that donut happily at that point. I know. Then I felt like I wasted it and whatever. <sighs> thank All you. Right. Thank you for your service. 
Thank and, you. And suffering on our behalf, Jeez, Navy SEALs yeah. and everybody else that's in the armed services. This week's biggest waste of money of the week is the Walnut Matchbook. With over a century of history, the Matchbook remains an iconic accessory. Made from classic North American lumber with endless grain variety, this Matchbook is sure to be a standout in any collection. Each one is handmade in the USA, and you can choose from walnut or an exclusive matchbook made from walnut that is stained black. Matches are included in each box. Dame, this is a $50 walnut matchbook in which you store matches, and I have several comments. Number one, what? It seems like a fire hazard to me. Yeah, you're storing woods in a... Or woods. Exactly. (laughs) Wood sticks, match sticks in a wood box. Why do you need a $50... And why do you have matches? I mean, that's another interesting point. Why do you have matches? What what are all these... And they're like, stand out in any collection. What collection of high-end matchbox do I have? How much money... And how many matches do you think I need? You know, at one time... I know sometime in the last 15 or 20 years or so... Restaurants used to have matches up front. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. toothpicks, mints, matches. I used to grab them, but I don't... I did, too. Yeah, I don't remember. I never used them. I found <laughs> I found a Crown Royal bag full of matchbooks. Wow. And it was stuff I had collected over the years. Yeah. Why did you have a Crown Royal bag? I, did I say I only had one Crown Royal bag? <laughs> Crown Royal bags. Uh, and I, I remember that. It just used to be a thing that I would grab on the way out, and... I have no idea why. Dame, it's easy enough to have a picnic inside the house. Just lay down your picnic blanket on the floor, put all your food there, and dig in. Problem is, you miss the side of the green grass at the park, which, of course, has been replaced by the view of tiles, wood, or whatever. Well, now there is a new product out in our zeitgeist. It's called the Suck UK Indoor Picnic Blanket, which is just a blanket that looks like grass. And it is $35, and it allows you to have an indoor picnic as you consume chicken salad sandwiches and things. Dame, that's a tremendous amount of waste of money for several reasons. Uh, the first of which, it's just sit at the table. Number two, once you're inside, it's not a picnic blanket. It's just a blanket. Yeah. Just sit in a chair. What do I do if my dog mistakes it for grass? You know, I had not thought of that, but that's a really good point. Hey, fuddy-duddy alert. As though I'm not a fuddy-duddy uh, during every segment of the show. But, Dame, um, so you know gambling is a thing here in central Indiana, or in Indiana now. Indiana. It's illegal. Yep. And it is wildly <laughs> popular. Wild. It's wildly popular. People are really, really into it. Um a cluster of factors have contributed to the $436 million wagered on sports from September 1st of 2019 through December 31st of 2019, including legalized sports books uh, launching when the NFL, NBA, and college football and basketball were all in season. Hoosiers in December spent a total of $161 million up from $147 million in November on sports gambling. Here's my fuddy-duddiness. This is a problem, man. That that terrifies me. I Sure, I get it. The state is going to get a bunch of tax revenue, which I think is great, which is, of course, the same argument for the legalization of marijuana, which I don't particularly care about one or the other. But this, this seems like a problem to me. 
And I look, we have coworkers that put a couple bucks on a game on one of these apps, and I'm not mad at them or think they're stupid or silly or anything like that. I, I just think that's a problem. I would love to know how many individual gamblers there have been in you, this four months. You think months. it's just like 10 guys? Probably a couple more than 10, but who knows exactly how many. I mean, so what's the average wager? What, what's the average amount of dollars gambled per per better? At I this think, point? I'll actually, you know what? I think I saw that number. It might be in this article. I want to say it's like 65 bucks a person in the state of Indiana. I don't know. It's something like that. Here's a bigger point, and this is the ultimate litmus test as a parent. Uh, we're watching the NFL playoff games this weekend, and a commercial comes on, and my seven-year-old son turns to me and says, hey, can I bet? And I was like, no. He's like, well, this says right here, and you get a free $100 on DraftKings or whatever. I want to bet. And I'm like, well, no. And I explained to him and mm-hmm. this and that. And, of course, the, the critic to this is going to say, well, you're good. You had a conversation with your kid. But it's like... <laughs> I don't want, I don't know. This is where I get weird. I have weird values around this stuff. It's like, I don't want to watch a commercial for a violent film and then have to explain that to my kid or watch a sitcom commercial during a football game and have to explain sex to my kid. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. I want to do it on my timeline. And I don't want to explain gambling to my kid. This is where I am Pleasantville, <laughs> 1950s, old school guy. Because it just, it's like, I got enough going on. I don't want to have to like deal with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe by and large that adults should be left to make their own decisions. Very libertarian a point of view, which is great. Love it. And I, it's hard for me to say that this is a horrible idea. However, as we've seen with any number of things, that if it's taken to excess, it causes some serious problems, not only for the individuals that are involved in it, but those that surround them as well. This is going to be something really interesting to watch because I don't know once it's out of the bag if there's really any coming back from it. No, and, and look, I, do I think there should be legalized sports gambling? Sure, I, well, I don't care. I just think the numbers are shocking, and I think the commercials and the advertisements are uh, a, a bit much. I, I don't know, right. and it's weird. I, I have pretty libertarian views. Like, let people do whatever they want. Legalize <laughs> marijuana. What do I care, yeah. right? Um, but it's strange. I mean, it's, I don't know. Maybe it's because we are in the Midwest. Uh, the show's based on the Midwest and for so long it wasn't legal. Mm-hmm. It's like buying booze in the on state Sunday. of Indiana yeah. wasn't legal on Sundays, uh, for a very long time. And now it is, which I have no problem with. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I'll drink enough of those and I'll bet you that, uh, sure. the Colts will not be in the playoffs. Uh, that's a solid bet. Dame, also, we understand that this election season could bring the, will bring, the most dollars ever spent on an election. This is not surprising, given like half the people running are billionaires. Mm -hmm. All right, Dame, we're going to play a little hypothetical uh, game here. It's called If You Were a Billionaire. Okay. Can you get yourself there mentally real quick? I will do my best. You know what? I can't get myself uh, mentally there with you being a billionaire, but let's go ahead and do it. Uh You're a billionaire. We don't have much time left. Would you liquidate a tenth, twentieth of your wealth so you could become president of the United States? No. Why would you want the hassle? No. I, it seems like the last thing I would do if I had... Billions of dollars? Billions of dollars. Why would I want to put myself... Public service, man. You're trying to take care of the people. <sighs> it's the last thing I would do. All right, Tim. That's all we have time for this week. Thanks to everyone emailing us. 
Uh, send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show. Mm-hmm.